you're listening to Tea with Basha, a podcast that inspires you to curate your life and be the version of yourself that you want to be. My name is Basha Restrepo, and I'm sharing lessons, perspectives, and discussing topics that will help you help yourself. Because as they say, everything that you need is already within you. Welcome back to the podcast. I am beyond excited to be talking about this topic. I have been wanting to record this episode for the longest time. I want to be very clear in that what I say here is just to provide you information, information that I have learned, information that I have accessed that has helped me improve my life. And what I want to do with this podcast and in general is to share all of that information with you via this podcast, via my YouTube channel, whichever avenue, in order for you to take it, digest it, and use it how you want in order to improve your life. I want to be very clear that none of this that we talk about is financial advice. You do need to do your own research. You need to talk to whoever you need to talk to. You need to have discernment on your own. But at the very least, introducing you to this information (laughs) is going to make me so happy because you're going to have something valuable that you can learn, that you can explore, and that you can potentially take control of in order to improve your overall lifestyle. So today's episode is our second episode of this series of financial freedom and emerging technology. Today we're talking about Bitcoin. Now in the first episode, we got a general idea of what cryptocurrency is and how it works. But today we're taking an in-depth look at the most popular type, which is Bitcoin and what we talked about in the previous episode. Now, I know if you're into crypto, there are some people out there that are going to disagree with the fact that Bitcoin is the most popular type. But just generally speaking, in the mainstream, with institutional investment, Bitcoin is really the number one asset that people are looking at right now. Bitcoin also makes up a majority of all cryptocurrency currently available. In recent years, when this is very true and pay attention, major national and international corporations have started to entertain the use and support of Bitcoin for everyday transactions as a viable investment and as, more importantly, a hedge against inflation. So I know that we defined Bitcoin, I gave you a little bit of an intro in the last episode, but let's talk about it a little bit more. So Bitcoin's a decentralized digital currency that uses peer-to-peer technology, peer-to-peer, so you to me, you to other persons, (laughs) people, to operate with no central authority or banks. We're eliminating banks here. Managing transactions and the issuing of Bitcoins is carried out collectively by the network. Bitcoin is open source. Its design is public. Nobody owns or controls Bitcoin and everyone can take part. So like other crypto, Its intention is really to eliminate the need of central banks, which is kind of crazy if you think about it, crazy revolutionary if you think about it rather, and provide an alternative to the traditional money systems that are bound by the centralized systems. So throughout this whole series, I'm going to be introducing you to a lot of different terms so that you can become familiar with the terms. And when you're doing your own research and watching different videos, you're just a little bit more aware of of what they mean. So fiat money is one of those terms. And fiat money is is like the US dollars in your bank account. It's that traditional, I would call it even paper currency 
even though it's more digital now than anything. But just think of it that way. The fiat money is the US dollars in your bank account, if you're listening in the US. And fiat money is backed and regulated by the government that uses it. Bitcoin, on the other hand, is powered through a combination of networking technology, software-driven cryptography, and the science of passing this secret information can only be read by the sender and the receiver. But these transactions are recorded on the blockchain and publicly available. So this creates a currency that's backed by code rather than items of physical value like gold or silver or by trust in central financial authorities. Some could argue that it is digital property, but if you're just thinking about it in terms of something you can hold, you technically you can't hold a bitcoin in your hand. I mean, you can. There are so many different arguments, but for the sake of this podcast, it's a digital currency. The founder of Bitcoin, Satoshi Nakamoto, described it as an electronic payment system based on the cryptographic proof instead of trust. It's estimated that over 46 million Americans own at least some Bitcoin. Yesterday, I was actually watching Cryptos R Us, and he mentioned a statistic that one in five adults, American adults, own Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, I believe. And I found that so interesting that only one in five. And I would love to know via DM or please send me a message, a DM, a comment on our Instagram. I'll leave the link below. If you are nervous or if you are worried about investing in cryptocurrency and more specifically Bitcoin, if you're informed about, you know what, maybe that's going to be one of the reasons. So what is one reason or a reason or whatever reasons you have, multiple, why you may be hesitant to invest in this? Now, again, this is not financial advice. I'm not telling you to do this. I'm just more curious about the state that everyone is in mentally when it comes to cryptocurrency and just more generally the economics conversations that you're having amongst yourselves with your families about the future. So here's some Bitcoin terminology, just because, you know, I'm, I'm a really big fan of terminology and giving everyone the terms, especially in this series, I want you to become familiar with what these terms mean. So when you're doing your research, you know exactly what everyone's talking about. So Bitcoin, which is the first global decentralized currency, there's Block, which is a collection of Bitcoin transactions that have occurred over a period of time. So if blockchain itself is thought of as a ledger book, let's say, then a block is like a page from that book. I'm just trying to simplify this as much as possible. So if you see BTC, that's the abbreviation for Bitcoin, for Bitcoin currency, blockchain. So record, you're probably going to hear recorded on a blockchain. And that's the authoritative record of every Bitcoin transaction, for example, that has occurred. It's recorded on the blockchain. Then you'll probably hear the term cold storage. And that's the storage of Bitcoin private keys that's disconnected from the internet. So if you're worried about buying Bitcoin on an app on your phone and then your phone being hacked, if you just merely transfer it into cold storage, so to speak, then things are a little bit more protected. So typically cold storage includes USB drives, offline computers. I kind of, I use a specific ledger. And again, all of this info will be available on my YouTube channel. It's called His and Hers Crypto. 
I actually collaborate with someone on that channel. Um, and I'm just really excited to introduce you to it. We're going to be talking about all things crypto and that entire world. So you'll probably hear the term ledger used, and the ledger is a logbook containing a list of transactions. And the Bitcoin blockchain is the first distributed decentralized public ledger. You'll probably hear the term miners or Bitcoin miners or miners, and those are computers that solve complex math problems to uncover new bit to mine or uncover new bitcoins verify bitcoin transactions and from what i understand there are a lot of people mining in the us right now i'm pretty sure it's a fairly complex setup but i would love to know more about it so if anybody is into mining or interested in mining or knows about mining please share that info send me a dm leave me a comment and finally there's proof of work these are just a handful of terms I wanted to share with you. So proof of work is a piece of data that requires a significant amount of computation to generate, but requires a minimal amount of computation to be verified as being correct. So Bitcoin uses proof of work to generate new blocks. And there's proof of work and there's proof of stake. We talked about that in the history and the introduction to crypto podcast episode. So check that out. So Brief history, the first Bitcoin was introduced publicly on October 31st, 2008 by Satoshi Nakamoto. Um, and he or she, because we don't know who Satoshi is currently, we don't know if that's one person, maybe it's a team, we don't know. Satoshi posted a Bitcoin P2P eCash paper to a cryptography mailing list. And the message included a link to a white paper called Bitcoin, a peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash system. So that was the intro. That was the intro. I actually have the abstract here in front of me. I'll just read you a couple of sentences from it. A purely peer-to-peer -peer version of electronic cash would allow online payments to be sent directly from one party to another without the burdens of going through a financial institution. Digital signatures provide part of the solution, but the main benefits are lost if a trusted party is still required to prevent double spending. We propose a solution to the double spending problem using a peer-to-peer -peer network. So I think that's really where this whole idea generated. Eliminating the middleman of a bank or a financial institution in order to simplify and streamline commerce, international or otherwise, where you just send cash quickly right now instead of waiting a week, or I don't even know how long. I, I don't think I've ever sent intern cash internationally. This is this has more than an international application. But let's say you're sending money overseas. It's taxing and time consuming and expensive, and there are so many moving pieces and moving parts to it. So if you can just send Bitcoin overseas within minutes, and the person needs it, who needs it has it, then wow, that's absolutely amazing. So on January 3rd, 2009, Genesis block was mined and the blockchain was launched. The first test transaction took place one week later. Initially, it was Bitcoin worked on sort of a digital barter system. And the first instance of it being used to purchase a good, we talked about this in the last episode, was on May 22nd, 2010. And a Florida man purchased two pizzas valued at $25 for 10,000 Bitcoin. That established the value at four Bitcoin per penny. Wow. 
So if you had 10,000 Bitcoin right now, let's just do the calculation. I'm going to do the calculation live on the podcast here. Well, just keep in mind that this is a volatile asset. And so over time, these prices fluctuate. So I would actually be, love to come back to this episode in a few years and see what the difference is. But I'm going to do the calculation right now, right live, right here. So currently, Bitcoin is priced at $46,473. $46,473 times 10,000 Bitcoin. Oh, okay. So if you purchased 10,000 Bitcoin back then, if you were in the community, if you knew about it, hindsight is always 2020, but I'm just illustrating a point here, you would have over $464 million. Just to give you an understanding of how Bitcoin has performed as an asset throughout time. So in 2011, Bitcoin reached the value of $1. And since, it has seen a high of $65,000 earlier, I believe in 2021, I want to say. And currently, it's hovering around 46000 Yeah, it's been hovering about around 46000 And interestingly enough, it hasn't really been impacted much by the state of the world. Usually in the years prior, Bitcoin was kind of impacted by the news, but it seems to be decoupling from a lot of different things. One other aspect of Bitcoin that I want to introduce you to is the concept of scarcity. So one of the big pluses of Bitcoin is its limits in terms of the amount of coins that exist or will ever exist, which is 21 million. And as time goes on, more people invest, Bitcoin becomes more scarce. The price should technically increase. The more scarce an asset, the more value it has, maybe. But that's kind of the argument. And that is a major benefit to Bitcoin, because if you have an unlimited amount of an asset, it's going to over time lose value. And that's kind of the entire argument with the dollar being devalued and the fact that because we're printing so many dollars on a on an annual basis, especially in the last few years, the value of the dollar itself over time is going to decrease because the supply increases. So now that we've kind of gone through what Bitcoin is, the history, a little bit of the growth, Let's say you want to purchase Bitcoin. Let's say you're here because that's what you want to do. So number one, you can purchase it on Coinbase. Now, again, again, this, I keep harping on this because I want this to be incredibly clear that this is not financial advice. I'm not telling you to go buy Bitcoin. I'm just exposing you to these various different forms of finance and assets and hedges against potential inflation. So if you do want to buy Bitcoin, you can purchase it on, for example, I've used Coinbase. You can use Gemini. I actually enjoy Gemini a lot. And you can actually stake your crypto on Gemini, which is kind of like when you deposit your money, your fiat currency into, let's say, a high yield savings account, and you're earning interest on that. That's essentially what staking is. So you're basically making passive income from just owning the asset. So, and just to keep in mind, in order to have Bitcoin, you have to have a digital wallet set up. So if you're going to 
purchase Bitcoin, if you've gone through the due diligence, if you have decided that this is what you want to do, you're going to need a ledger. You're going to need a ledger. Again, take everything that I say with a grain of salt. I'm just a girl on the internet. But in order to protect your assets, you're going to need to put them in storage. You're going to need to put your Bitcoin in cold storage, as we talked about. And one of the best ways to do that is by using a ledger. I use, I believe it's called Nano Ledger. Let me take a quick look here. Yep. So this is, I use the Ledger Nano X hardware wallet. Now, also, I just want to put this out there that this podcast is not sponsored by anybody. It's not sponsored by Coinbase. I mean, I, I wish that it was, but it's not, not by Gemini, not by Ledger. This is all stuff that I use on a regular basis and it's worked great for me. So that's why I wanted to share that with you. So there are a bunch of tutorials. I'm probably going to include a tutorial on how to use the ledger in order to store your crypto and your Bitcoin, because you, you can store more than your Bitcoin on the ledger. It's kind of like how you store your fiat in a wallet. Same idea, same idea, just digital storage, right? And you can actually download an app that gives you access to your ledger, to whatever's on your ledger. I mean, that for me personally, I don't feel super comfortable doing that because that kind of gives a little bit of a window in there. And I'm just always paranoid about hackers, but you can do that. You can kind of see what you have in there and see the fluctuation. I'm more of a buy and hold kind of person where I don't really check it on a daily basis because I know I would drive myself crazy. So let's talk a little bit about adoption. Bitcoin has become more mainstream. And with the support of major corporations and the inclusion and recognition by major, by major financial institutions, since 2020 specifically, there has been a big push towards cryptocurrency. So PayPal has enabled users to invest from as little as a dollar. Venmo, owned by PayPal, offers the service. Disclaimer, though, you don't actually own the coins and PayPal manages the wallet from what I understand. And that could have changed since I looked this up, but just be aware again, do your research, not financial advice. So there are some companies that actually accept Bitcoin as payment. I was actually shopping on overstock.com. And when I went to check out, what could you pay in? Bitcoin. Yes, guys, Bitcoin is accepted by overstock.com accepts Bitcoin. And, you know, as the technology develops and more people become invested in cryptocurrency, such as Bitcoin, more financial products like Bitcoin will be offered. Me personally, I'm a really big Bitcoin fan. I'm a Bitcoin maxi, like Mr. Michael Saylor, who we all simp over. If you know what that means, you know, you know. So let's talk a little bit about MicroStrategy, Michael Saylor as a Bitcoin maximalist. One of the reasons that I love listening to Michael Saylor and why I encourage you to do so is because a lot of the information that I have learned and just general history of economy, the way that things work, economic principles, foundational principles that helped me understand why Bitcoin is a great asset to own, all of that came from Michael Saylor. So I, I want to give credit where credit is due and I want and I actually encourage you to listen to him. I really do. And so Bitcoin maximalist, that's what he's called because MicroStrategy, I think 
owns the most Bitcoin from what we know, at least from people who are open about owning Bitcoin. MicroStrategy as a company owns the, the most. And Bitcoin maximalists believe that Bitcoin, which is the world's most popular cryptocurrency, again, in my personal opinion, is the only digital asset that will be needed in the future. So the maximalist ideology holds the view that other cryptocurrencies are not in line with the ideals that were established by Satoshi Nakamoto, who created Bitcoin. And so Michael Saylor is a Bitcoin maxi. Michael Saylor is a beast. He's an entrepreneur, an executive, an inventor, an author, a philanthropist. He went to MIT. He basically has described Bitcoin as digital gold on a big tech network. And he predicts that it'll be adopted by billions of people worldwide. I 100% agree. And if you listen to him, you will understand why. And this is also a guy that invested in Apple back before Apple was Apple. So I'm just saying. So Saylor said that he saw Bitcoin as digital property and the most valuable and dominant network, comparing it to the building block foundations of the ecosystem. I'm going to read you a quote because you just got to listen to him, guys. So here we go. Think of it as like granite blocks in cyber Manhattan. Then you've got digital currency that's like tether and stable coins. They want to be money markets in cyberspace. Then you've got digital applications like Ethereum. And all of these different cryptocurrencies are going to serve a purpose. There are some of them that will, you know, the bubbles will pop and they'll disappear. And we'll talk about them one day as crappy investments that we made. But then there will be some that are here to stay. And Bitcoin is kind of thought of as one of them. Another quote, Bitcoin is a bank in cyberspace run by incorruptible software offering a global, affordable, simple, and secure savings account to billions of people that don't have the option or desire to run their own hedge fund. What he talks about is, I wish I could have him on this podcast, I'm manifesting that, what he essentially believes from all the things that I've heard him speak about is Bitcoin is a way to protect yourself against government decision-making or poor decision-making by government. It's, it's just a way to protect yourself and your assets and your family and your future. And just remember, there's always a reason why it's not in the mainstream. That's a separate conversation. So yeah, so MicroStrategy and Michael Saylor are what's called bullish. So you're probably going to hear that term a lot. Bullish on Bitcoin. Yeah, bullish on Bitcoin specifically in that there's bullish and there's bearish. Bullish means that I'm purchasing it. I believe in it. Bearish is like I'm pulling away because I don't know. These are just, by the way, terms that I'm trying to break down in as simple form as possible for everyone. So I do hope that that was helpful. I know that Bitcoin is, and crypto in general, is still a very new topic, but I do really encourage you to learn more about it, learn about the history, learn about the history if you're in the US, I mean, I'm sure this applies to other countries, but I don't know, so I can't really speak to that. But look at the history and the economics of the United States. Look at the financial institutions. Do your research. Think about these things. Think critically because your life depends on it. 
So thank you so much for joining me. And I look forward to seeing you in the next podcast. Take care.